Well, we are in a series called More Than Money. Somebody say, More Than Money. And if you're a first-time guest, you're like, ah, man, I came on the money service. Yes, absolutely, you did. Yes, you did. And uh, I'm very sorry for that. Um, But listen, I'm going to be honest. I I think talking about finances is very important. It really is. The Bible talks a whole lot about it. Almost 2,000 verses, as a matter of fact, talk about money in some way, shape, or form. Jesus talked about money in finances and different parables that he taught. Not all of them were directly about finances, but many of them were. And how we're to steward the things that God has given us to advance the kingdom of God and to, and to help others in our lives. Amen? This is what we're supposed to do as Christ followers. This is what we believe in. And so, uh, but it's, a lot, it's, it's about so much more than money. And I think that's where we go off sometimes when we talk about money in the church, and we don't like doing that. And, and I get that. I understand it. We talked about that in week one, that um, a lot of times the tithe or whatever we give, our tithes and offerings, whatever you might call it, ends up going to line the pocketbook of the preacher, okay? And let me just be the first to tell you, um, that is not happening with me, okay? Uh, ask my wife all the time. She will tell you I, we have to limit her Amazon purchases uh, very, very heavily, okay, during the Christmas season because of it. And, uh, and so I hope that as a church that, that we will be able to show you, especially in our miracle offering in a couple of weeks, that we support great causes, we support great things. And man, like when you do give to and through Radical Church, it really is making a difference right here in Hayes County and all over the world. And um, today I wanna talk about tithing and specifically tithing 101, guys. I'm about to take y'all to class today, okay? It's gonna feel kind of like a class. It's gonna feel, there's a lot of scripture today. I'm not gonna be preaching y'all. I'm gonna be teaching y'all, okay? Uh, So there's a few different ways that I like to talk. Today is gonna be teaching, but I guarantee you, you have probably, maybe a few of you, but you've probably never heard talking about tithing like this ever before in your life, all right? So let's get through it. Uh, Malachi 3.8, we're going to start with the verse that everybody knows if you have been in church any period of time and we're talking about tithing, it starts right here. Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? Well, that's a very strong way to start this message today. This is God talking to his people, by the way, Old Testament. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, he says. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. So if you've been in church, like I said, for any period of time, you've probably heard this before. Usually it's during the offering talk on a Sunday morning. The pastor will get up right before the message talk about this is the different ways that you can give. You want to give to the church. You know, we don't want to rob God. We want to make sure that we give 10% of all of our income to the church. And it's usually used uh, to to kind of shame people sometimes, be honest. Maybe you have sat through a teaching like that before where it's kind of the shame or guilt. Like, hey, if you don't do this, y'all, you are robbing God. That's what Malachi 3 says. You're robbing God if you don't do it. And uh, and it's used to tell people to give 10% of their income to the church. And you're under a curse, as a matter of fact, if you don't. So here's the problem. Uh, I don't believe that's true at all. So at least in a sense, I don't believe it's true. I do in another sense, but I'll tell you what that is a little bit later. So today I'm taking y'all through a class, y'all. It is called Tithing 101. And I'm gonna share with you just about everything that the Bible teaches about tithing. And I hope that it's informative for you today. 
Uh, and when someone wants to argue about tithing with you later on, that you could just direct them to this message. Okay, here we go. So a tithe simply means a tenth. The, the Hebrew word tithe, if you go back, it just means a tenth or the tenth part. Uh, so 10% is where we get this from. There's nothing special about it. Literally just means 10, okay? Uh, but many people immediately start off with a misconception that there was only one tithe. And that would make sense. We talk about giving 10% of your income and you just think there's one tithe and they gave 10% and that's just what they did. But actually, in the Old Testament, there were three tithes, three different ones. We're gonna talk about them today. The three tithes in Old Testament were the Levitical tithe. Now, this is the one that you probably know about. This is the one that some people would say that we still practice today. And then there was the festival tithe, okay? Then there's also the poor tithe. You could probably figure out what the last two are. The first one might need a little bit more explaining, okay? But I'm gonna go through all three of these. The first, other mis the second misconception that people have is that the tithe was money. The tithe was never once in the form of money, okay? So when we talk about tithing in the Old Testament, it was not money. They did not go and give 10% of their income to their local temple. That's not what they did. It is always food. Very interesting. When you see in Malachi 3, it says that there may be, bring the whole tithe to the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. What was the storehouse? The storehouse was a place where they kept the Food, all right? It wasn't a treasury, it was a storehouse. It's where they kept the food. And so there are examples in the New Testament that we even see and other examples in the Old Testament where people are giving money to the temple and to the treasury, but that's not the tithe. These are called offerings. So they had tithe, you'll hear preachers say tithes and offerings. You've probably heard that before. The reason why we say offerings is because these were free will gifts that were given above and beyond the tithe. Some of them were obligatory. And a lot of times people were just happy and grateful for God giving them increase uh, in their finances, increase in their cattle, increase in their crops. And they wanted to give a free will offering to the Lord to say thank you. Uh, we see this with the story of the widow with two mites, right? We talked about it last week where she puts in the couple of coins, basically like pennies. And then there's these other people, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they're there and they're just dumping in like coins, dumping in silver into there. And it's actually interesting because if you look at how the temple was built, uh, it would have been like, y'all ever go to those uh, coin changing machines where you get, you know, we used to do that a lot more often. I don't really carry change anymore. But as a kid, I remember going to Walmart or whatever and you'd pour all your coins into that little coin thing and you'd have to shake it around and it would go down and it would give you cash back, right? It would just put all of it in cash. And it, the sound, I remember it distinguished like ding, 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 you're going all through and sorting it all out and everything. That's what it would have sounded like as they were putting all the coins in. So this widow comes up and just puts in a little ding, ding. <laughs> and people were probably looking at her like, oh, she's not really putting in a whole lot. But then these Pharisees dumping all this stuff in. They're like, wow, look at these great men of God. Look at all the money that they're giving to the treasury. So, but these were offerings. It's not the tithe, two different things. So let's go through the three different ones. The first one is the Levitical tithe. Someone say Levitical. Y'all learning something today. Here we go, Leviticus 27, 30 through 32. This is God talking. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil, fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Whoever would redeem any of their tithe must add a fifth of the value to it. Okay, so what it's talking about is if you wanted to redeem the actual uh, tithe that you were to give, which was food, it was animals, livestock, all these different things, oils, grains. If you wanted to redeem it and exchange it 
you could, but you'd have to add 20% of the value. Let's say you had $1,000 worth of stuff. It would end up being $1,200 worth of money that you would have to actually exchange for the $1,000 worth of livestock. I know it's a lot of, we're gonna talk about a lot of numbers today, okay, guys? If you're confused, just hold on a minute. I promise we will get to the part at the end where what we're supposed to do as Christians today. Today is the day we're gonna talk about it. What do we do as Christians? Are we supposed to tithe? Are we not supposed to tithe? But I want you to understand all the Old Testament stuff first before we get there. So just buckle your seatbelt. Here we go. So uh, verse 32, every tithe of the herd and flock every 10th animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. So this tithe, this Levitical tithe was given to support the Levites, all right? Uh, These Levites were one of the 12 tribes of Israel. What do we know about the Levites? Well, they were set apart by God. They were different from the other 11. This is where the priesthood actually came from. Aaron, the brother of Moses, the, the Levitical priest, everybody that worked in the temples, the assistants that worked in the temples all came from the Levites, the tribe of the Levites. And so they had a different setup for them. Actually, these 11 tribes would help to give in order to support the work of the ministry of the Levites and the priests especially. And there's a few reasons why they received this tithe. The first is God did not give them a land inheritance. They're the only tribe that does not have their own land. They don't have an inheritance. And so God chooses to give them this tithe as their inheritance, which we'll see in a second. The second thing is the priests came from the Levites. Now, a distinction you have to make is not every Levite was a priest, but every priest was a Levite, right? Every priest had to come from the Levitical tribe. So it supported the work uh, of the the priests in the temple. Numbers 18.21, it says, I give to the Levites all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance in return, for the work they do while serving at the tent of meeting. Now, there's also a tithe of the tithe. Now we're gonna get real technical here. So the 11 tribes would give 10% of their increase, right? 10% of everything to the Levites. Then the Levites would take 10% of the 10%. That's where we get the tithe of the tithe. And they would give that to the priests. And that's actually what they lived off of. So Numbers 18, 25 through 26 says, The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Levites now, this is just to the Levites, and say to them, when you receive from the Israelites, everybody else, the tithe I give you as your inheritance, you must present a tenth of that tithe as the Lord's offering. That's where we get the tithe of, the tithe from. Numbers 18, skip a few uh, verses down, 28. In this way, you will also present an offering to the Lord from all the tithes you receive from the Israelites, From these tithes, you must give the Lord's portion to Aaron the priest. You must present as the Lord's portion the best and holiest part of everything given to you. And I love this, guys. We talked about this last week, the first and the best. That we don't just give the first tenth, right? We don't just give the first, but man, I wanna also give my best to God, right? This is also where this comes from, is that they didn't just take that tenth and then say, hey, any part of this tenth, we could just give to the priest. No, no, no. God said to the priest, specifically Levites, you are to give the best tenth of the tenth. Isn't that awesome? So he wanted to take care of his people. He wanted to take care of his priests uh, that were doing his work. So that is the Levitical tithe, all right? Now I want you to go and say, festival tithe. Somebody say it. Okay, that's the second one. Second one, festival tithe. We're going to talk about it. Deuteronomy 12, 5 through 7. You are to seek the place the Lord your God will choose from among all your tribes 
to put his name there for his dwelling. To that place you must go. Now where is that place that God makes his name known? Jerusalem, that's what we know. So they have to go to Jerusalem and there bring your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and special gifts, which you have vowed to give and your free will offerings, there's that, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. There in the presence of the Lord your God, you and your family shall eat and rejoice in everything you have put your hand to because the Lord your God has blessed you. Come on, how many of you are grateful that God has blessed you? I certainly am. And they were to be grateful that God had blessed them as well. The second tithe was much more exciting than the first tithe, okay? The first one was kind of this like ritual thing that they had to do. The festival tithe was something that they get to do, okay? What they would do is they would take 10% of all their crops, all their livestock, everything they had, and in certain years, they were to go to Jerusalem all together, and then they were to throw a massive party and eat all of the tithe together. Yes, you heard me correct. They were to eat the tithe all together. Now, what does that sound very familiar to? Thanksgiving, y'all. Come on, like just throw a big old party. Let's have a feast. Let's get together and eat. And if y'all don't think that I did not plan this the week after Thanksgiving, you are absolutely wrong because I definitely planned this for sure. They ate their tithe. That's what they did. That's what it says. It says uh, in another part, I'm not gonna read it actually, but it says if you were so blessed that year, that you have so much cattle, so much grain, so much produce and all this stuff that you can't even get it all to Jerusalem. Like it would take eight caravans to get it all to Jerusalem because you rich, like you got a lot of stuff. The Bible actually says that you can take all of that and then exchange it for silver. And then you take the silver to Jerusalem. And then when you get to Jerusalem, you then buy all of the stuff with that silver that you had back at home. And then you eat all that. So once again, the tithe was never money. It was always food, always, every single time. You would take the silver, buy all of it back, and then you would eat it all together. It supported the local economy of Jerusalem. That was one reason for it. But also it was just a great time to get together and celebrate the increase and celebrate that God was good to them. It's a good thing to celebrate and to give thanks to God, amen? And so they ate their tithe. Again, it was never money, it was always food. That's the Levitical tithe. The last one is called the poor tithe, somebody say poor tithe. Listen, God cares for the poor. We see this all throughout scripture. God cares for the needy. God cares for you, for me, and for others in this world, especially that are less fortunate than many of us. And he wants to take care of them. And this was just one example of ways that God would take care of the poor in Israel. Every three years, God would command his people to bring a tithe, not to Jerusalem now, but to their own towns that would be used for the Levites and the poor people that lived there. Now, why the Levites? Because they were actually considered poor. They didn't have a land inheritance. They didn't own anything. And so they were considered as a part of the poor group that this was supposed to go to. And so Deuteronomy 14, 28 through 29, at the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns, not in Jerusalem so that the Levites, who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the foreigners, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Now, I want you to look at that last part right there. It says, so that the Lord your God may bless you. 
and all the work of your hands. I want you to remember that because we're going to come back to that later, okay? So instead of bringing it to Jerusalem, it was kept in their towns, given to the poor, given to the Levites. So now when you look back on Malachi, this verse that's used historically to shame people into tithing, 10% of their income, all right? You look back at Malachi, and you see where it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there might be food in my house. Does it make a little bit more sense? Why? Because it was always food. It wasn't money. This is what they did. They brought food into the storehouse. And why did God uh, say that they were under a curse? Why did God condemn them in this moment? Because they obviously were not following the rules. They were not doing what God had asked them to do. They were not bringing the money into the store, bringing the food into the storehouse, excuse me. And so he says, no, 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 you guys are not listening to what I commanded you to do. If you guys would just obey and do what I asked you to do, then I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you. So that's Old Testament. Those are the three different ties. Now, we got to look to the New Testament. How many of y'all know that everything changes in the New Testament? When Jesus comes, he dies on the cross, he's raised again from the dead. Man, he becomes the sacrifice for us now. So we're not doing animal sacrifices and all that craziness here at Radical Church. Like we're not having a bunch of chickens going around and like sheeps that we're sacrificing at the front. That'd be weird, okay? The reason is because Jesus became the sacrifice for us. We talked about it just a few weeks ago. So what does Jesus say about tithing? Well, there's really just one verse. Matthew 23, 23. He's talking to the the Pharisees here. He says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. First off, I would love to yell, you hypocrite, at somebody. That would be amazing. I've never gotten the chance to do that. Maybe one day. You'll give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Now, what is Jesus saying here? He's actually saying this with a little bit of sarcasm. And if you don't know this, let me explain why this is actually kind of a sarcastic statement that he's making. They're taking this thing so far. If you know anything about the Pharisees, they were very religious. It wasn't really about the relationship with God. It was just about following the rules, That's why we say it's not about rules, it's about a relationship today. That's what we say. Because the Pharisees were the embodiment of this just legalistic, rule-following, man-made, traditional kind of attitude where it didn't even matter about God himself. It was all about following the rules to the letter of the law and that's what made us great. And so he's saying, you guys were basically like taking your mint leaves and counting them out one by one to make sure that you had 10%, but you don't even care about people. You see the difference? It's like you're so perfect on all these little things. At the end of the day, should you have done that? Yes, you should have done the former, but not neglecting the latter. The weightier things of the law. Guys, listen, God wants your obedience, but ultimately he wants you to love others as he has loved you. And that's what they were completely missing. And so they didn't love others. It was just a show. But he is not teaching, Jesus right here is not teaching that we are to give 10% of our tithes to the local church. That is not what he says. He's talking to who? Jewish men who are still under the law. He's saying you should have done this. You also should have done this. But Jesus hadn't died yet, guys. He had not died and gone to heaven and been raised from the dead, changed everything. That was not done. So he was talking to these Jewish men. And he also just reaffirms that the tithe was not money. What does he say? He says dill. He says mint. 
other things, he does not say money at all. So I guess we're just not supposed to tithe then, right, guys? All right, have a great day. See you later. Now, people will say, well, I can do whatever I want then because Jesus never said anything about tithing. And it's true, there is no New Testament command about tithing. But hold on. Because what does Jesus do so many times throughout the New Testament? So many times throughout scripture. He usually takes things a step further, doesn't he? What does the law say about murder? It says, do not murder. But what did Jesus say? He said, don't even be angry at your brother. The law said, don't commit adultery. But what did Jesus say? Don't even look at a woman with lustful thoughts. Which one seems more weightier to you? Don't commit adultery. Don't even look at a woman with lustful thoughts. He's taking it a step further. What did the law say? You better make sure to tithe 10%. What does Jesus say to the rich young ruler? Hey, if you want to be perfect, go sell everything you have. Give everything to the poor. Takes it a step further, right? Are we supposed to give everything we have away to the poor? Are you supposed to go and sell your house and give everything away now? No, I don't think that's what's happening whatsoever. But listen, the early church in the book of Acts did exactly that. That's exactly what they did. Acts 2, 44 through 45 says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and gave possessions to give to anyone who had a need. They sold everything they had and gave to those that had a need. Tithing was not practiced in the early church. It wasn't. Why? Because they knew that they weren't under the law. They were under grace. Now they had to figure out what that looked like, but what does this look like to you? They sold property and possessions. There's a story of a guy that actually just sells his whole field, sells all his property and comes and lays the money down at the apostles' feet. Does that sound like 10% to you or does that sound like a whole lot more than 10%? Come on now. That's something entirely different. Tithing was not practiced in the early church. Many of them gave way more than 10%. The same way that in the Old Testament, they gave way more than 10% at times. They also gave way more than 10%. 1 Corinthians 16, one through two says, about the collection for the Lord's people, this is Paul talking to the Corinthian church that wanted to do some good, that wanted to help uh, some poor Corinthian people. He says, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. What does he say there? On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Did he say 10%? No, he did not. If tithing was relevant, he would have said, each of you should save up your 10% and bring it. And it's not what he says. What did they do? They took up offerings for the poor. They wanted to help people in their community, right? So they did that. Then the second thing they did is they took up offerings to support ministers, to support the people that advanced the gospel. And ultimately, they took up offerings simply to advance the gospel in any way that they could. They would take up these different kinds of offerings, and they gave sacrificially, sacrificially. And that practice continued for a few hundred years, not under the law, but just simply saying we are grateful to Jesus Christ for what he has done for us. And man, we're gonna give as much as we can away. So radical generosity went over and above 
what the law actually stated they had to do. So it wasn't until, this is what's really interesting. A lot of people don't know this. You might have never ever heard this before. But it wasn't until the Council of Tours in 567 AD that tithing was reinstated by the Catholic Church as a way to support the clergy and to support the different churches that had popped up all over the world. I mean, the gospel had gone forth so, so powerfully that there were Christians everywhere now. People believing in Jesus all over the place. And there were so many churches and so many pastors and leaders and, and, and priests and all these things that, that were there that they said, hey guys, it's been great doing this whole free will offering thing, but man, we're gonna have to have some kind of structure here. We gotta have structure. And so what do they do? They went to the law and they said, you know what? That 10% was working pretty good for them. Why don't we just do that? And so they took the 10% and reinstated it as well. And it became 10% of your income. And that's where the first actual tithe of money started. And that's what we know today. So when, what are we supposed to do? Are, are we supposed to tithe because that's what the Old Testament did or, you know, the New Testament kind of gave everything they had. So am I supposed to sell all my stuff and give it away? Or am I not supposed to tithe because Jesus never said that I was supposed to and there's no New Testament command to tithe or, or I just, I'm so confused. What am I supposed to do? Well, I think the New Testament gives us a very, very clear picture of what we're supposed to do and how we are to bring our best to God. It's not called tithing, guys. It's called sacrificial giving. And you find it in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. Once again, this is Paul talking, and he says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Now, I know a lot of pastors that have gone against this and have tried to make people give and say, if you don't give, you're under a curse. And if you don't, then you're sinning against God. What is that? Compulsion. <laughs> For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that all things and all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Did you catch that one word that I think changes everything for me? It's the word able. Remember what I told you earlier to watch out for that one little phrase? I said, hey, you need to give so that I may bless you. What does this say? Give cheerfully so that in all things, in all time, having all you need, you'll abound in every good work. But God is able to bless you abundantly. God wants to bless you abundantly. And he is not able to do that until you become a cheerful giver. God is able to bless you. It sounds a lot like Malachi 3, right? It does. It says, why don't you bring all the tithes into the storehouse and then see if I won't bless you. <laughs> I told you I would. I will bless you if you're givers. I will bless you if you're generous. I will bless you if you obey my commands to give and obey my commands and do the things that I've asked you to do. He basically saying, say I won't do it. Say I won't. I will. You watch me. I will give to you. And this is the only time in all of scripture where God says to test him in something, which I think is really, really interesting. He says, test me in this and see if I won't open up the floodgates of heaven. Guys, God wants to bless you and your family. He wants to bless your finances. And I would say the curse in Malachi 3, if I could put it this way, is not that God will harm you. The curse is that God cannot bless you. How many of you want to live a life where God cannot bless you? 
Not me. I don't want to live a life where God can't bless me. You know what that would feel a whole lot like? A curse. And that's what I feel like this curse is. It was for the nation of Israel, of course, but I think you take this principle today, say God wants to bless us. He wants to give back to us, but he simply can't because we have not learned how to be generous. God wants to bless you. And so let's go back to uh, the second Corinthians passage. It says, give cheerfully, then God is able to bless you. Let me put it this way. When you give generously, God can bless you abundantly. Amen? When you give generously, God can bless you abundantly. The principle is clear. If you sow a little, you will reap a little. If you sow a lot, you will reap a lot. This is a biblical principle. Aside from the 10%, aside from the law, aside from anything else, just take the principle of the tenth, take the principle of the tithe and apply it to your life. And as I am generous, God will be generous back to me. I'm not generous so that I will be getting things from God. But as I'm generous from a grateful heart saying, God, thank you for everything you've given me. I wanna give as much back to you as I can. God says, hey, I can bless that heart. I can bless that person and that family because they've decided in their hearts to be generous to me, not so that they can get something back, but just simply so they can bless me. Proverbs eleven twenty four through 25 says this. I love this verse. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. What is that saying? Man, one gives, if you give freely, you'll grow all the richer. But if you hold on to everything that you have and you're stingy with what you have and you're selfish and you're not generous, man, you will always be in want. How many of y'all ever got a raise before and you still felt like you were in need? <laughs> you got a raise and it's like, where did it all go? I don't know. You get another raise, you're like, I'm still needing some money. Like, what is happening right now? I feel like that's happened so many times, but for this other person, it says, man, this guy is giving away, giving away, giving away. And somehow he still has everything that he needs and more. The last part of the second Corinthians verse says having, this, this might be my favorite part. Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So God is able to bless you. And then now that I have everything that I need, now I can do really good works. This is where we get this idea that you are blessed to be a blessing. Amen. I am blessed so that I can be a blessing to other people. I am not blessed so that I can keep it all to myself. This is not what God asks us to do. I am blessed so that I can abound in every good work because man, I already have everything that I need and then some because God has blessed me because I've been generous. Now I'm gonna be more generous and God gives to me so that I can give more away, amen? This is what God's economy looks like. It doesn't look like the economy in our own hearts because selfishness is our economy. But generosity is God's economy. So i am be honest. And if I could have Pastor Tim go ahead and come on up. <clears throat> Whenever someone argues about tithing with me, or in general, I get a little frustrated. I do. And I try not to, but I do. And a lot of people say, well, tithing's Old Testament, so I don't have to do that. And technically, you would be correct. Technically, the tithe, the tenth, is dead in the law. What does the Bible say? That Jesus fulfilled the law. We're not under law, we're under what? Grace. So yeah, that's true. You don't have to tithe 10% of your income or you're under this curse and you know, the church is gonna hold it against you, all that stuff. Yeah, technically you're correct. But almost nine times out of 10, I would almost venture to say 10 times out of 10, 
The same people that say, well, tithing is Old Testament, so I don't have to give. They're the people that don't give anything. And they just wanna argue because they do not have a heart that was transformed by Jesus. They don't understand. They're not grateful for what God has done for them. You wanna argue theology and semantics all day long, that's fine. But listen, I am literally looking for ways that I can give as much as I possibly can to the work in the kingdom of God. That to me, that shows that your heart's been transformed by God. I'm not trying to shame anybody that's never given before. Man, you're not a bad person if you've never given to the church before, you're not. You're not under a curse, nothing like that. Listen, I'm just trying to show you what the Bible says and I want you to be able to grow in your faith and to trust God in your finances in this way. I want you to grow. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like your response to God, somebody that, that is arguing about this and doesn't wanna give, whatever it might be, they might have their own reasons, but listen, the response to God for giving his one and only son for you, <laughs> to die on a cross, to restoring a right relationship with you and the Father, saving you from death, and giving you the grace and the love of the Father in heaven, and our response is to give nothing back. How does that make any sense? The answer is, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Like, why would we argue about advancing the kingdom of God? Why would we argue about advancing the church of Jesus Christ that he died to set up himself? Why would we argue about that? In the Old Testament, the Israelites were required to tithe. They had to do it. We get to do it. How many of y'all know that when men, let me talk to you for a second. When your wife comes to you and says, hey, I want you to get me this gift for Christmas and just gives you an Amazon list of the different options that you have to choose from, I know this from experience, okay? And then she says, this is what I want for Christmas you are now required to get that, okay? You don't have a choice, right? Come on, somebody, say amen. You're required to do that. Now, <laughs> the hearty one from the front, here we go. So how about now if she didn't give you that list and now you just got to choose it for yourself and you just got to go get it and surprise her with it? Which one is more meaningful? The second one. In the Old Testament, they had to do it. It was a part of their law. Now we get to do it. Not necessarily 10% and you're not under this curse or whatever, but listen, sacrificial giving to others that are in need, sacrificial giving to your church to support missionaries, to support the advancement of the gospel. Man, I'm all about it. Why? Because we have the hope of Jesus. Why would I do any less? This is why I say every week we give because he gave. I don't say we give because we have to give 10% or we're under a curse. I don't say that. You'll never ever hear me preach from this stage and if you don't give 10% of your income that you're under a curse and you're sinning against God, you will never hear me say that one time because I don't believe it. What I do believe is that a heart that has been transformed by God is looking for ways to be generous, to advance the kingdom of God, is grateful for what Jesus has done for them and won't even complain. Man, I wanna give 20, 30, 40. I would love to give half my salary away at one day. I would love that. That'd be awesome. And I hope that a few of us, not all of us will get to that point, but I hope a few of us can. And maybe some of you have never given before. You've never given to your local church before. Let me tell you, if you're a part of Radical Church, you call this place your home, 
I want you to know, man, that like, I'm not here to build some kingdom for myself. Like, I'm really not here for a Ferrari, I promise. I'm really not, okay? Um, I would be doing a whole lot of other things if that's what I wanted. <laughs> and I don't wanna build 82 radical church campuses. Like, that's not, that's not what we're doing here. Radical church exists for people that are far from God to find hope and life in Jesus and to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And we wanna build our community of people so that we can love on more people. Man, I love seeing all of you here today. Some of you are so far along in your faith and you've known Jesus for years. There's people in this room right now that don't even know God yet. And I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm so thankful that you're here. This is why we give, that we can love on our community, that people can find hope and freedom from addiction in the name of Jesus, that marriages would be restored in the name of Jesus that hope and abundant life that Jesus died for is possible for people in this room right now and for the people in Hayes County and all over the world. And that is what we do with our money. I hope that we'll be able to prove to you over time that we're good stewards of what God has given us. And that we really are for the community. Miracle offerings in two weeks, you'll get to see where all of it's going. And I can't wait to bring all of our offering here together. Everything is better for us in the New Testament. Everything is better when you have Jesus. So I don't wanna give anything less. And that's my prayer for us is that we would just be a generous church. And to be honest, guys, you know me, I don't talk about money a lot. I really don't. Many Sundays, I just don't even talk about the offering. I just don't. I don't say one word about it. We don't even put the slide up on the screen. Thankfully, it's because we don't have to. And that's a testament to you. That's a testament to our church that we already are a generous church. And I love that. It's a great thing. I know some preachers in some churches, if they don't have a 10 to 15 minute offering talk every Sunday, they would cease to exist a month from now. I cannot talk about offering for two months and we would be totally fine because we have people in here that get it, that are grateful for what God has done for them. But man, if you've never given before, I encourage you start somewhere. The best thing I've ever heard was my admin, Rachel. She came to me over the last couple of weeks and has been saying, Trev, it's crazy. Look at how many people have given for the first time. The offering box is full. And she said, it's awesome because it's not hundreds or thousands of dollars, it's $5, it's $10, $20 bills. It's kids, middle schoolers giving three or $4, writing their name on it for the very first time. The first time they maybe have ever given to a church before. And I love that. I love every single bit of it. Why? Because it, it shows me that you're getting it. It shows me that we're developing a heart of gratefulness toward God for what he has done for us. It's not about the rules and regulations. This is what Jesus was condemning the Pharisees for. He was like, guys, you're counting out your mint leaves, but you don't care about people. He's like, don't worry. Just do the things you know you're supposed to do. But it becomes from a heart and it's grateful back towards God. Like they just didn't get it. It's a relationship. It's not about rules, guys. And so start somewhere. Start with something. Whatever that looks like for you, ask God, how can I get involved in the miracle offering? Maybe start then and then see what God can do. Ask him to build your faith to do more. Some of you maybe are at 10% or you're at 5% or whatever it might be. I'd ask you just pray that dangerous prayer. God, would you bless me so that I can be a blessing? But even before you bless me, I'm gonna be generous and I'm gonna give. And then I know that you will be able to then bless me and my family and then I will give more. Pray that dangerous prayer and see if he won't do it. Amen? Would you stand up with me? Hey, I hope you've learned something today. 
And I know it's been more of a teaching today, but I think it's important that we understand these things. And uh, it's a lot of stuff that I think a lot of people haven't ever heard before. I don't ever wanna come from a place of condemnation. I wanna come from a place of grace. I say, hey, listen, man, we're all growing in our faith journey. We're all growing in our finances, man. I'm gonna pray over you right now that God would give you financial strategies to help you overcome debt in your life. Many of you are drowning in debt and that's why you haven't been able to ever be generous or ever give. That's what you feel like anyway. And I believe God does not want his people to be burdened. He doesn't want his people to be poor. He cares for the poor. He cares for the needy. He doesn't want us to be drowning in debt, struggling in finances, struggling in our marriage because we're fighting about the finances. Like he don't want none of that for you. And so I'm gonna pray that God would lift off this burden of debt off your life, give you good financial strategies, come straight from scripture, that there would be promotions and jobs and all this kind of stuff in the name of Jesus. So, hey, would you just put your hands out if that's something that you wanna receive, if you wanna receive a blessing from God today, just hold your hands out like this in a posture, just, hey, I'm receiving a gift from God today. Go ahead, put them on out. Let me pray for you today. God, I ask for blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing for the people in this room right now, for anybody watching online that are holding their hands out today saying, God, I want a blessing from you. But first, God, I am giving my blessing to you, God. I'm giving and being generous back to you, Lord. How can I give to somebody else? In the same way that I'm holding my hands out to, to receive is the same way that I would hold my hands out to give. And so, Father, right now, we give our hearts to you. We give our lives to you. We put you first in everything. And we say, God, we want to give to your people. What can I do? What can I do for the miracle offering? What can I do for the person in my neighborhood that's struggling right now? What can I do for that family member? What can I do for my church? God, help us to have a generous heart that's grateful for what you've done for us. And then, God, we believe that you will pour out your blessings upon us. God, I ask for jobs in the name of Jesus. I ask for promotions in the name of Jesus, for new careers and career changes in the name of Jesus. They could be in a life-giving job and a life-giving position, Lord, that's, that they're passionate about, that they love, doing the things they love to do. And that, that God, the increase that they get from that, they would not hold to themselves, but God, we hold it with an open hand. And we say, Lord, I know everything that we have comes from you, so I give everything I have back to you. Help us to be generous. In Jesus' name, somebody said, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God praise today for what he's done. Like I said, I hope you learned something today. And, and if you have any questions about this, please let me know. I know it's a, it's a difficult uh, subject to talk about, but man, pray about this with your spouse. Pray about this with your family. Two weeks, we have miracle offering. Can't wait to share with you the organizations we're giving to. But God bless you. We'll see you soon.